This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, live and direct from the press box at Old Comiskey Park, it's time for When Football Was Football. Let's join your host, Joe Ziemba, with another forgotten tale from Chicago's pro football history. Let's go! Welcome once again to When Football Was Football. I'm Joe Ziemba. As you know, we record our sessions here at the studio at the press box of Old Comiskey Park, on the south side of Chicago. The place is in a bit of shambles these days, but it does contain a lot of ghosts and a lot of memories, as well as a lot of uh, old cigar stubs and plenty of empty Drury's beer cans. But in this episode, we're gonna pay tribute to a man who made many of those memories right here on this field for the old Chicago Cardinals. We recently learned of the passing of Charlie Trippi, one of the most versatile players ever to play the game of football. Trippy was 100 years old and left us with decades of accomplishments, memories, and stories. Perhaps the best recollection, in my humble opinion, was a run that Trippy of the Chicago Cardinals made in the 1947 NFL Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Working on a frozen field right here at Chicago's Comiskey Park, the Cardinals switched to gym shoes before the game in an effort to secure better traction on the unforgiving turf. Trippy scored twice that day to lead the Cardinals to a 28-21 victory over the Eagles, but it was his dazzling performance on a punt return that left the Philadelphia defenders in a shambles. How bad was the field, you may ask? Well, reporter Art Daly of the Green Bay Gazette wrote, They, the players, staggered around like 22 drunken men in a dark alley. The Cardinals were protecting a 14-7 lead midway through the third period when Trippi went back to field a punt on his own 25 that was described by Frank O'Gara of the Philadelphia Inquirer who said, Trippi picked it up as it bounced around on the Cardinals 25 and when he battered the first cordon of off-balance tacklers, There were not many green jerseys in his path. He was hit three more times as he wheeled down the field, but nobody could smack him solidly. Once in the clear, Charlie himself slipped on the Eagles 25 as he tried to cut back behind the final block, but scrambled up and raced across. It was now 21-7, and everyone expected the Eagles to give up peacefully. Witnesses would later tell how Trippy zigzagged across the field to elude would-be tacklers. Apparently, this prompted Philadelphia coach Greasy Neal to yell out to his players by saying, Hey, get up and be ready. He'll be coming back this way any second now. Trippy, indeed, was an elusive runner, mastering hip and shoulder fakes to partner with his quickness to frustrate the opposition. And yet, at six feet tall and 185 pounds, Trippy could also turn into a battering ram, often putting his head down into the defender before the opponent could lock up his legs. Still, there was more. Trippy was an ace defensive back, a punter, a passer, a receiver, and a kick return man, all of which he did exceptionally well. However, Trippi's successful football career almost ended before it started. He was the son of a miner in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Trippi was born on December 14, 1921. While on the football team at Pittston High School, 
Trippy was not considered for his offensive capabilities and was anchored in the middle of the line as a center. He also handled punting duties for the team, but it was as a punter that the legend of Charlie Trippy, the offensive juggernaut, was born. As the 16-year-old Trippy waited for the snap one game, the ball flew well over his head where he hustled back and picked it up on his own 14. Displaying a bit of the verve and misdirection he would later be known for, Trippy picked his way through the defense and scrambled 86 yards for the score as Pittston escaped with a 7-6 victory. By his senior year in 1939, Trippy was all over the place. For example, in a 32-0 route of Forty Fort High School, Trippy threw for two scores, ran for another, and nearly scored another on an interception return. It wasn't long before Trippy's talents were discovered by the next level, and he found his way down to the University of Georgia after a year of prep school. Trippy secured his varsity debut for the Bulldogs in the fall of 1942 and made an immediate impact. During spring practice, he was eagerly compared to his talented teammate, Frank Sinkowicz, an All-American. Between the two dazzling backs, Georgia marched all the way to the 1943 Rose Bowl, where Trippy was named the most valuable player as Georgia ousted UCLA 9-0 and finished with an 11-1 record. Trippy rushed for 115 yards and passed for another 161 yards. UCLA coach Babe Horrell was amazed at the performance of Trippy and told reporters after the game, This boy Trippy was really hot. We just couldn't seem to get him nailed down. The Georgia duo of Sinkwich and Trippy was deadly, and years later, Trippy described how their talents offset each other. He said, I was hard to defend because I improvised a lot. I'd start one way, then go the other way. I was a scrambler. Frank was a tough inside runner. When I played with him in the backfield, they'd pack it in to stop him, and that would open the outside for me. With Sinkwich gone in 1943, Trippy was expected to stretch his legs as the returning star of the Bulldogs. However, he was called to military service in the spring of 1943 and then stationed at the Greensboro, North Carolina Army Air Force's Basic Training Center. Trippy was in the service until late in the 1945 season when he returned to Georgia, much to the delight of Coach Wally Butts, who said, Three years in the service has not done Trippy a bit of harm. Trippy played football for two seasons while in the military and was in remarkable shape when he returned home, but was soon faced with a tough, tough decision. In April of 1945, Trippy was selected by the Chicago Cardinals as the overall NFL number one draft pick, but the exquisite gritter had already decided on his immediate future. He later said, I promised myself the day I left that no matter how long the war or how much money the pros offered me, I would come back to Georgia and finish the career I had started. With that decision in place, the Cardinals would need to wait to claim their top choice until Trippy was ready. Trippy topped Georgia in rushing and passing in 1945, despite playing in just six contests as the Bulldogs finished 9-2 and won the Oil Bowl over Tulsa 20-6. 
For his efforts, Trippy was named to the All-Southeastern Conference Honor Team, but for Trippy, the best was yet to come. In 1946, Trippi led Georgia to an undefeated season with an 11-0 record and the national title, including a 20-10 win over North Carolina in the Sugar Bowl. Trippi paced his team in both rushing and passing and was named as a first-team All-American and also won the Maxwell Award given to the most outstanding player in the country. At one time, he held the SEC record for most yards passing, 323, and rushing 239 yards in a single game. In addition, in the spring, he dominated the stat sheet for the Georgia baseball team, hitting 475 and blasting 11 home runs. Several major league baseball clubs were now in pursuit of Trippy's skills, as well as their NFL brethren. Upon his departure from Georgia, Trippy was now free to pursue professional sports and spent the summer of 1947 hitting 334 for the minor league Atlanta Crackers. In addition, a new professional football league called the All-America Football Conference looked to actively chase Trippy, who now could choose between two professional football leagues and several major league baseball teams. Cardinals owner Charles Bidwell actually traveled with Trippy to New York where the young star could listen to the confident pitches from both the New York Yankees baseball team and the New York Yankees football club from the All-American Conference, and this occurred in early 1947. While the public anxiously awaited Trippy's decision, Bidwell's hard work in recruiting paid off. Trippy had already secretly agreed to a huge contract to play football for the Chicago Cardinals. Cardinals coach Jimmy Councilman was amused by the feint thrown by Bidwell and Trippy in the negotiations, and he said, Bidwell had already bagged Trippy, while Dan Topping, who was the New York owner, was putting on his hunting jacket and practicing bird calls. In this case, the prize bird named Charlie Trippy had already flown to Chicago. So Trippy signed with the Cards for a whopping $100,000 over four years and quickly became part of the team's dream backfield. And that was the first time an NFL squad started four college All-Americans. Trippy joined fullback Pat Harder from Wisconsin, quarterback Paul Christman of Missouri, and halfback Marshall Goldberg from Pittsburgh. Later, Goldberg switched to defense and was replaced by Elmer Engsman of Notre Dame. With Trippy in the fold, the Cardinals won the 1947 NFL title with that 28-21 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, Trippy tallied two touchdowns to help secure that victory. Then in 1948, the Cardinals were even better, in my opinion, finishing the regular season with an 11-1 record, but unfortunately fell 7-0 in blizzard conditions to those same pesky Eagles in the NFL championship game held in Philadelphia. While the Cardinals have not managed to secure another NFL crown since the Trippy-led squad won it all in 1947, Trippy continued to contribute on all levels for the team. After all pro seasons in 1947 and 1948, primarily as a halfback, Trippy expanded his role as a receiver in 1949, rushing for 554 yards while topping the team in receptions with 32. Then in 1951, Cards coach Curly Lambeau, and that's correct, Lambeau was the coach of the Cardinals for a couple of years, 
he decided to move Trippy to quarterback, and the former Bulldog was named to the Pro Bowl at that position. Trippy remained a force as a defensive back as well, picking up three interceptions in 1954, and he averaged over 40 yards a punt during his professional career. When Charlie Trippy retired after the 1955 campaign, the 6,053 total yards, that's for rushing, passing, and receiving, was the best in NFL history up to that point. In fact, his total of all-purpose yards of 7,148 was the fourth best in history. So it was no surprise when Charlie Trippy was elected to the Professional Football Hall of Fame in 1968, which followed his selection to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1959. It is interesting to discover just how versatile Trippy was as an NFL player. Apparently there are now 362 players in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but there are none, absolutely none, who have picked up at least 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards passing, and 1,000 yards receiving. Well, except for one man, Charlie Trippy. Well, we could go on and on about Charlie Trippy from up here in the press box at Old Comiskey Park. We could talk about how Trippy played in an unprecedented five college all-star football games, or how he was twice an All-American among service team players during World War II, or how he coached in the NFL for several years with the Cardinals, or how he was successful in real estate after his playing career concluded, or how his high school stadium in Pittston, Pennsylvania, was named after him in 1970. At that time, the Scrantonian newspaper reported, A number of times since he attained greatness beyond that of any other Pittstonian, Trippy has returned to community receptions. None approach this one, if only because this section, where he first dreamed of greatness as a boy, had bestowed upon him an eternal honor by renaming the field where the touchdown troops of the tomorrows would preserve Pittston's reputation. We will miss you, Charlie Trippy, and thank you for your many successes and memories, which will never be forgotten. Please join us next time on When Football Was Football, when we'll discuss an exhibition game that pitted George Hallis against First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. How in the world did that happen? We'll share that story next, here on the Sports History Network. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.